Well, welcome back to another episode of Retro Reco. I'm Kyle. And I'm Shane. And in this podcast, we go over or movies that we recommend to one another or from various uh, eras. Um, and in this episode, it's Shane's pick. So, Shane, what did you pick? Uh, I picked A Silent Voice. Uh, this is an anime. Uh, it is by Kyoto Animation. And if you want to watch it, if you want to pause and watch it before listening to the episode, you can find it on Netflix. But content warning, uh, there are a lot of serious things involved in this movie that you wouldn't expect from an animated film for a lot of things. So so I will say, uh, and correct me if I miss any, but content warning, uh, bullying, um, self-harm, uh, depression, suicide, uh, so if any of those things are, are things that you're going to have a problem with, might not be the film for you. Uh, although I will say that there, it is a pretty good, it, it is very well done in that regard. Yeah, it is very well done. Um, we'll have links and, and numbers in the episode description um, if you need help with any issues like that. And uh, yeah, Shane, let's let's talk about the, the movie itself. Because like I said, this was your pick. So, so when was the first time you saw this movie? Yeah, so uh, I actually first saw this movie. I, I watched it with a uh, mutual friend of ours, uh, a mutual friends of ours, uh, Daniela and Tim. Um, we did a uh, kind of an anime day where uh, we watched we watched three movies that day. We watched this one was kind of uh, uh, we watched My Hero Academia. We watched another big movie that we'll talk about it in a the time uh um, and this one was um kind of a we were scrolling through and we watched a preview of it and we were like oh that looks interesting then we watched it and i would and i was just enamored the moment we watched this film uh so since then i have it, i think that was three years ago it's hard to fathom years right now with 2020 and 2021 kind of running together but i want to say three years ago and since then, I have probably watched this movie about five times uh, in both Japanese and uh, and English. Yeah, it, it yeah, it's it's been a lot. So with that, jumping into the film itself, just like the movie, I'm gonna start off super sad, but don't worry, it gets better. I would hope so. Yeah this this film is made by uh, Kyoto An- Animation. Uh, so Kyoto Animation um, has done a, a lot of things that people might have heard of or seen. Uh, one that I've I had actually seen before I saw this movie was Clonade. Um, it's a it's an anime series that came out in 2007. There's a sequel series known for Slice of Life with uh, supernatural elements, but but in also a very sad sad show. It also did uh, Kaon, which is a, a, about a um, an all girls musicians club uh, in a school. Uh, so like they, they create a band, you know, drummer, guitarist. It's supposed to be very, very fun. There's been a couple series of that and, and also some movies for that one. Uh, there's a show called free. Uh, oh, sorry. Free because it's spelled free, but then there's an exclamation point at the end. Uh, okay. Which I believe I haven't seen, but I believe that is about a all male swim team. And then the one that might be most known by by people is Violet Evergarden, which is a Netflix show that uh, was very, very well received, I want to say in 2018 or 2019, uh, that has spawned a special in a movie uh, since then because of of how well it did on on Netflix. 
Okay, I was gonna say I've I've heard of that one for sure. Um, I haven't yep, watched yeah. it, but I I've heard of that at least. So Kyoto Animation though themselves might be most well known, and this is the sad part. By in uh in twenty nineteen, they were a victim of an arson attack at their studios, in a very very bad one. Okay. Uh, so they uh they're. Their first studio in Fushimi was attacked by a man that was obviously something bad with them. Uh, but it killed 36 people and injured 34 others. Oh, wow. Huge. Yeah. Huge, huge attack. Like, very, very sad, very rough. Um, the One of the uh, the most notable, like, I mean, uh, every death is, is sad. But one of the, the, the people that, that people might know of, of the most... Uh, that died in that attack, uh, Yuji Kagami, uh, which I mentioned because he kind of ties in with our, uh, with what we've done in the past because he was the key animator for Grave of the Fireflies and Akira as well as Silent Voice. Um, oh, obviously, wow. okay. every loss of life in that was was huge, but like he he actually he ties into what we're discussing, which is why I'm there yeah. there are others that that are key, maybe what less known by us by Americans, but that's the sad part where it gets better. Uh, we will talk about, uh, uh, like, Hero Animation itself as a studio is very, like, might be one of my favorite studios in the fact of what what they are as, as a conglomerate. Um, they are, they have won many, many awards, um, and they are recognized for their sensitiv- uh, sensitivity, quote, sensitivity to the wonders and quandaries of ordinary life. Uh, they, all their employees are salaried rather than freelance and they train in house. So like they'll bring people in and train them to what they need, which also shows when you see the animation for a silent voice and see how everything is just so like this, this movie has a deaf character and the sign language is so on point and on key and all the other motions and movements in this movie, you can tell a lot of thoughts been put into every single one of them. It's because they care so much about every bit that they that goes into what they do. Yeah, and even um, even um, on on the visual side, even like the the camera movement and style that they use um, was really refreshing to me um, in watching in comparing you know some other anime stuff to this. Um, and it was like, oh wow, that that's really cool, like. You know the the very the use of the depth of field and the use of kind of more camera movements a lot of times was really interesting. And in a in a um, profession where animators are wild, animators and storyboarders and things like that are wildly mistreated, um, which happens a lot in any really any country's animation departments. Unfortunately, Kyoto is repeatedly. Uh, brought up for as uh for their positive treatment of its staff and they were actually honored by women in animation for its diversity um in 2020 uh for creating a gender balanced workforce so they've done some really really good things at kyoto animation with that i'm gonna get the director of this movie naoko uh yamada um she is known for uh as i mentioned before uh k-on the the show about the um the, the, the girls that make a, a band in school for a band club. Um, I've never watched that one. I've heard very good things. 
Uh, and another movie that I haven't watched but actually has some really good ratings uh, online is Liz and the Blue Bird was her follow-up film after this one, uh, which is also uh, very well-received. Uh, and then kind of a tie-in to what we've done before, uh, the, the the person who wrote the screenplay, uh, Ryoko Yoshida, um, she actually wrote the screenplay for the Digimon movie and The Cat Returns. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, and this this movie is also based off um, – it's based off a manga, correct? It is. Uh, it's based off a manga by uh, Yoshitoki Oima. The, the manga was written by Yoshitoki Oima. Um, it's written two mangas, uh, uh, A Silent Voice, which is was the same name for the manga. It was A Silent Voice for the manga and the anime. She also wrote To Your Eternity, which is a uh, currently being made into a Crunchy, I believe, a Crunchyroll exclusive anime. Uh, so it's a it's a series that you can find on Crunchyroll, but also a very well received manga. Yep. So she is a pr- pretty prolific. Yeah, and then I want to say it was distributed in uh, Weekly Shonen as well, right? Yes, yes, it was. Uh, you'll find that a lot of mangas are distributed that way. Yes, yeah. Um, well, well, because it it had a. a character design wise um i noticed you know a lot of similarities um just in character design style um between this and you know uh you can see a little bit of elements of yeah your your regular shonen kind of house style of you know your dragon ball but then also you know my hero academia um, cause the, the little, especially how the, the hair was the little friend, <laughs> well, well, um, no, the, the, his friend's hair, um, reminded me of the little annoying grape kid in, uh, let's my not hero. compare those two characters. He is the, <laughs> the grape juice, is the worst character in all of anime. I don't, I don't want to have that in my mind. How dare you do this to me? <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, yeah. I, it, so, so that's, that's also why if you're looking on, on Netflix and you get a little confused, it's like, wait, a silent voice, the movie um, it's because it's an adaptation of the anime, so that's why, or the of the of the manga. Um, so that's why they put that that subtitle there. One kind of a, a cool final thought on Kyoto Animation before we we move into some more discussion on on the movie itself. Uh, so Kyoto Animation does this really neat thing called the uh, the Kyoto Animation Awards. Uh, well, they'll actually grade uh, original novels, mangas, and scenarios, and they create animes, and Evergarden was actually a winner of those awards, which is how they ended up making that anime in the end, is that they that it was brought to them, and, and then they, they awarded it and created it. Um, they did that with Free, they did that with a show that I've actually watched called uh, Love, Ch- uh, Chunibyo, and Other Delusions, which a lot of people may not have seen, because it's essentially about people that let LARP in real life. That's my thought on Kyoto, but uh, now I'm going to get into the year that this movie came out. So this movie came out in 2016. Very, very retro. Oh, yeah. Uh, It is very well-reviewed. It has a 95% credit score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 93% audience score. It it made $31.6 million worldwide, uh, only 644,000 of that in the U.S. Uh, So it's... More well received in Japan and other countries than the U.S. Uh, as a wide release, um, but 16 was a pretty big year for anime films uh, by the fact that there were three 
counting this one, there were three pretty prolific movies that came out. Uh, one and the easiest one to name would be Your Name. Um, uh, that that is that ended up being uh, at the time the second largest and now the third largest ever anime uh, ever Japanese release. Actually, Spirited Away at the time was number one, beating it. Uh, now it's third because Demon Slayer is. Demon Slayer movie is by far number one now. I think it beat Spirit Away by like a hundred million. Okay. Uh, but we'll discuss your name more because that is on my list for future episodes. Um, of course it is. The other movie that came out, uh, I actually haven't seen, but it's on. It's also on Netflix. It's called In This Corner of the World. Um, In This Corner of the World has a 97% on, on Rotten Tomatoes from both critic and uh, an audience score. Uh, and it won dozens of awards in Japan, uh, Silent Voice and Your Name in many, many categories, um, including in the Japanese Academy Awards uh, for Best Animated Feature. Um, so very, very well done film from what I've heard. Uh, so one that I plan on watching. It's actually on my to watch list on uh, on Netflix. I just haven't gotten around to it. So with that, let's jump into the film itself. So it's got a uh, this this movie to start off, has a lesser-known English voice cast. Um, there's a few actors. Uh, the, the the actor who plays Show is actually well-known for a show that he did on Nickelodeon that I cannot recall the name of right now. Uh, but, but, yeah, he isn't... Uh, the, he's done a lot of, of animated features, but not necessarily is a super well-known like voice cast actor. Uh, the other interesting thing is that... Uh, Lexi Marmon, uh, who I believe is now Lexi Cowden, um, who plays Shoko, um, she is actually deaf. So they they brought in an actual deaf actress to to voice the deaf character uh, in this movie, um, which I think is it's very well done. There there's at no point in the, there not a there's a movie where character is saying things. And it's it's really easy for that to come off poorly, as in like somebody making a voice. Like you've, I've seen movies where somebody plays somebody deaf, and they and they they make sounds and voices that you're just like you cringe at because you're just like you're you're doing something I don't enjoy. And at no point in this movie did that. that did I feel that? And the, I didn't know until actually today when I when I looked up uh, looked up this actress. That, that they actually brought in a deaf actress, which I think is really, really cool to the story. Yep. Yeah, that that's really cool. And, like, in comparison, I mean, obviously our last film, one of our criticisms was the fact that you have this prominent gay character and it is not played by a gay actor. Um, whereas in this movie, um, you know, the years have passed a little bit and we realize, like, no, representation does matter. Like, when you are casting a deaf actress um a deaf role it should go to a deaf actress yeah and that's something you, you see in media more and more often which is great um because there's so many there's so many characters in in the that is i i don't know the best way to say that but the same affiliate like if you're doing a deaf role role cast a deaf character. If you're doing a, uh, uh, a trans role, cast a trans character. Gay role, cast a gay character. Yep. There's so many people in the, uh, that are so good at what you do. You can, you can cast those roles as they are. Like, you don't, 
you don't have to bring in, you know, a straight white male for everything because yeah. it one, it's stale, and two, it's it's tone deaf, and it's just. I'm just so happy to to see that this movie, which has done so many things right. Oh my god, I'm getting to the scene that I cry every time now. That I, I always turn the movie on, uh, <laughs> uh, behind in the in the background, and we uh, Kyle and I talked for a while before we actually started talking about the movie. So it's actually to the scene that I cry at every time, and I'm just seeing it in the background. I'm starting to get teary eyed. Uh, oh so, no! Uh, actually, there's multiple scenes in this movie that I cry. I, I was going to say it was like I I know for sure I cried at least once towards the end, and you're probably not there yet. Um, but fireworks? Because I'm yeah, there. Yeah, fireworks. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's that's where that's you're at. Time. Okay. Yeah, that's how that's how long we chatted before. No, this. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> So, so let's get to the beginning of this movie uh, while I while I cry during the end of it. Uh, so, this movie starts with a. It technically starts with with a little short like moment of an uh, a teenage character kind of foreshadowing that he's done with life. I suppose would be the right way to say it. I yeah, mean, he's 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 go he's going through. He has, and I didn't even think about this when, uh, when we see it the first time. But he has an April calendar cut in half, so that the fifteenth yep. is like his final day, and it's literally listed as final day. And he's crossing out these these things. He, you know, closes his bank account and gives the money to sells all of his items. Yeah, so, yeah, sells all of his stuff of wipes out his bank account, gives all this money to his mother, lays it on her pillow, then rides to this bridge and is going to jump. And then we cut back to childhood him with uh with my generation by the who played in the background. Yes, which which is, uh... which is actually uh my retro deep dive for this episode. Um because I I actually I really enjoyed the use of this song for multiple reasons. You know, obviously the, the teenage rebellion is, is there. Uh, but Shane, have you heard about the, uh, the incident of about the who on the Smothers Brothers comedy hour? I have not. Oh, interesting. Oh, I thought you would have. Um, so the Smothers Brothers comedy hour was a, a variety show, kind of very similar to, you know, your, your Ed Sullivan's, you know, that kind of stuff. But it was obviously these two brothers who were singer, comedian kind of stuff. Um, and they hosted a variety show. And this was 1967, I want to say. Um, and so it was right after the Monterey Pop Festival, uh, which is the, the festival where Jimi Hendrix destroys his guitar and burns it on stage and he did that yeah he did that that Um, car company must be so mad yeah um but the who were doing that fairly often as well um we're we're destroying their instruments at the end and they decided we're gonna do that to make a big statement on the very clean cut smothers brothers you know comedy hour um so they perform my generation and then at the end uh they start smashing their instruments uh keith moon's going crazy 
he throwing over the the guitar kit uh pete townshed it is you know destroying his guitar john entwistle their bassist is just cuddling his bass and not even gonna throw this thing at all um which is always the best part about this video because he's he's in the foreground too and he's just like holding his bass all nice and properly and just kind of exiting stage left but the biggest thing and the the reason why I brought this story up for this particular movie was they decided like oh we've we've smashed our our stuff before we should have like a little mini pyrotechnics explosion in the bass drum so they load a little bit of explosions that I think they tested it before the show and are like oh cool that looks really awesome like you know it you know it blows up and we get the smoke everywhere so the stagehand rigs the explosion once again but unbeknownst to them uh keith moon puts in a second dosing of the gunpowder or whatever pyrotechnics they were using like the opposite of the uh, bar uh, exploding barbed wire match in AEW. yes exactly <laughs> so instead of this little pop it just blows and there's smoke like everywhere. Apparently the, the camera feed went out for a second um, because of the, the repercussions symbols, the, there, he broke one of his symbols because it was close enough and shrapnel from the, the bass drum and the symbol went into Keith Moon's arm and Pete Townshed, who is, right in front of of it as as it goes off you see in the clip his hair is like stood up in the back because it was kind of right behind his right ear and Pete Townshend actually blames this uh for him uh going partially deaf in that ear uh blames Which this explosion explosion will do that yeah um, so there's, there's varying reports like it's like, oh, he says this is what probably caused it. But then, you know, years of being on stage in front of all these amplifiers probably didn't help. Yeah. But yeah, so that was the, was the retro deep dive. Um, and if you can find that clip online, it's really funny, actually. Um, you feel bad for Pete Townshed, um, at the end, but then, yeah, he, he literally clearly in a daze, then grabs one of the Smother Brothers guitars and smashes that too. So, so with this uh, wonderful Who song that, I mean, I guess is relevant to this. Yeah, it's relevant. Yep. Um, in the background, um, you see the roughest part of the movie, and not rough in a in a like it's badly done part, but rough in a sense of like it's so well done. That when I first saw this movie with Daniela, I almost tur- had her turn. Both her and I almost turned it off because we just felt so upset and uncomfortable by the amount of teasing and bullying that was going on in this opening sequence. That like we were just like, I don't, I don't know if I want to watch the rest of this movie. Uh, yeah, um, I, I almost texted you and being like, this really, this is what you pick. But, but with that said. Uh, dear viewers, uh, please keep watching because, like I said, it gets better. <laughs> it gets better. It's rough for a real long time, though. 
the, this opening sequence is 20, 25 minutes long. Like it yeah. is, it is a, it is a, uh, it's a two, it's a two hour, 10 minute movie. I want to say, uh, and like, it's, it's a, it's a fifth, uh, a fourth of the fifth of the movie. Um, so it's, it, it is a, it is a rough sequence, but it is a necessary sequence to what is going to happen later on. So, yeah, yeah, we, we go back to, I think they say it's sixth grade, um, and, uh, Shoya, our main character, um, is this kind of jerk kid in the back of the classroom. And a new student arrives uh, named Shoko. Uh, and she is deaf. And at the beginning of it, um, she she's using a notebook um, to kind of communicate with everybody, having people write in it. So then Shoya... And this other girl in the class, Noyoka, uh, very much start picking on, on her, and it keeps getting worse. Yeah, it, it's the the way they do this opening sequence is, is, as I said, it's rough because of how well done it is. Because you you see you do see all sides of it. You see where you unfortunately see where Shoya is coming from. Um, it, it essentially gets to a head to the point where Shoya starts throwing out her hearing aids because she is not, she, I mean, she is deaf, but she, she can hear a, a tiny amount and she uses hearing aids to try to hear a, a little bit more. Uh, but he starts throwing those out and, and, and ruining them. Um, and it gets to a head where the teacher's like, who's doing this uh, stand up? Or the principal comes in and says, who's doing this stand up? And the teacher is pretty much like, we we all know it's it's you, Shoya. Stand up. But leading up to that, it, it, it Shoya is supported by his classmates to an extent. Like he obviously is going too far, but like he's getting the support from the people around him to do this bullying that like pushes him to where he's at. And, and you see that you see that from from all the side characters that this whole thing actually. Um, uh, especially Oka, who is is the, the the girl that sits next to him in class. She is she's pretty much like the person he's trying to impress the most um, yep. while doing this, uh, because she is the one that obviously has a problem uh, with Shoko. The only reprieve we get, and it's a very brief reprieve that we get, is Shoko meeting one wow. one of the girls um, because they they have a sign language teacher come in and basically say. Hey, for the first five minutes every day, we're gonna start le- learning signs so that we can uh, in communicate better with the, with this one student. And Naoko, oh, uh, talks about it's like, well, why should we have to be the ones to to learn this? this um, why can't you know? Why can't we just keep writing in her notebook, even though this all kind of stems on Naoko being the one who doesn't refuses to write in the notebook anymore but one of the one of the characters uh mayoko um is one of the few that is like hey i'll help i'll i'll learn sign language i'll i'll help her and and helps shoko with kind of notes and is starting to learn sign language but then we see mayoka getting made fun of as well and then shortly after, we see her empty seat. And then that also brings Naoka into 
bullying Shoko more of like, oh, you're the reason that Mayoko left um, because, you know, you're not we're not real. Fr- she wasn't a real friend. And to you, you know, all of this childhood school guard bullying that's so, so gross. And then, yeah, yeah then then uh, Shoyo uh, throws her notebook that she's writing in into this pond that is by the the school. Yeah, and that, that becomes a big moment because uh as you see this whole beginning part play out up to the point where the teacher calls out uh Shoya for for bullying there he's getting a lot of support from the other classmates like even the ones that are that are friendly to uh to Shoko are are supporting him in his bullying they're not you know every now and then you'd get a like uh like oh you need to lay off a bit but then you get them that same character laughing at it like the, it, it's on very well done in the sense of that's how childhood bullying does work. Like I can fully remember situations as a kid um, uh, where that is, that is what, what goes on in, in, in a childhood bully is that, you know, even the, even the, unfortunately, even the kids that, that, that support the person getting bullied. If they're, if they're one of those like kids that are just like a, a good kid, but not necessarily like, like friends with that person, they'll be like, "Oh, stop!" and then laugh at the. It's it's hard to watch by how real it is. Yeah, and that's that's where like like in in that case, it's 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 Mickey, the like blonde blonde girl who isn't supporting Shoya in what he's doing, but also never saying anything, and yeah, occasionally like laughing at like the things that he does. But then, you know, she's also the first when he rips the hearing aid out and causes a scar as as he rips those those out. Like, she's the one who's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. What happened? Are you OK? And that's a wonderful moment. To me. That is a wonderful moment to me by the fact that it shows how people will accept and be OK with bullying up until it gets to his and it also shows, like, as you watch later on in the movie, how it's it's not okay to be okay with that kind of bullying up to that point. Like, you're either okay with bullying or you're not. Like, you're either yeah. supporting it or you're not supporting it. I get that it can get to a limit, to a to a head, but by the time it gets to that head to somebody that's an outside uh, viewer, it, it's already too far to the person being bullied. And yeah. I think that that is a really good thing to show in this, like, this movie just does such a good job in many aspects of showing that and showing and, and we'll get to a redemption uh, that that yeah. does not happen from people that are bulliers very often but in this sense they do it in a way that makes so much sense uh because after the the teacher calling out um Shoya of the bullying he starts to get bullied he starts to he's uh we mentioned the him throwing the the book in the pond earlier he has not only had his book thrown in the pond but he's thrown in the pond uh, the people that that you see early on in the movie being his friends and him messing around with are bullying him now. He's uh, the uh, uh, Nyoka who he was trying to impress and help out with the bullying. Like the one person he was like, "I'm supporting you by doing this," is the first person to turn on him in the situation. Yeah, yeah she <laughs> she's the villain of this movie oh, in easily. so many ways. <laughs> Um, because yeah, we, we have Shoya 
showing remorse and redeeming himself she shows nothing there is no character progression at all in in her you know story arc which i like too because it's a real person there's so many real people in this movie oh yeah he walks in uh as he's being bullied to um shoko doing something to his desk and they get into an actual physical altercation yeah yeah that's true and, yep and and so that they they fight and uh and he he's more so pushing her uh like he doesn't actually hit her um i think that is important to say even even though they are both you know in fifth or sixth grade so they're both they're very young i think it's important to say that the, the male person doesn't actually hit the other person he's doing a lot of pushing yeah um uh but uh she she gets very upset at this uh and i can tell i don't know if if, if she she's essentially saying i was trying to help you uh yeah. and hitting because then she leaves the school um and uh he finds that people are writing stuff on his desk writing stuff that that hurtful stuff on his desk and at the same time when she le- when she's leaving the school and when we're finding out he's the bully she, his his mother shoya's mother has to meet with shoko's mother and essentially is trying to trying to apologize and pay her back and there's this moment that does come back later on which is a big more the fact that that um that Shoya is trying to pay his mother back before he kills himself at the very, very beginning of her giving this money to Shoko's mother and also coming back with an injury to her ear where it's very obvious they they never say it outright, but it's very obvious that that Shoko's mother uh, ripped uh, Shoya's mother's earring out in retaliation to Shoya scarring uh, Shoko by ripping out her, uh, her hearing aid. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which, yeah, that was that was almost a a twofold of like, yeah, it, it was retaliation, and then also like, no, this isn't enough. I'm taking your, I'm taking this as well, and yeah, that was yeah, very like depressing. <laughs> like I was try, I was trying to figure out a better a better word for that, but I was like, no, this movie's just really depressing. Yeah, so so then then we see him as a teenager. This is after he tries to kill himself. He's still very much uh, an outcast, and he. Uh, one of the the interesting things, like, I think as a, probably guilt. Um, and everything, he actually starts learning sign language. Was is one of the things, uh, that that we see is the fact that he's going to this, you know, probably local like you know, learning center, and he starts actually taking classes to learn sign language apart from his, like, part-time job um, that he had. And, yeah, he he actually finally... Tomohiro uh, is this other kind of... kind of, like, I I would best describe him as, like, a short, fat kid who is also getting bullied, um, but in different ways than than Shoya and the two of them kind of start having a connection mostly Tomohiro has a connection to Shoya and it's like I'm gonna be friends with this guy (laughs) yes Tomohiro I I really he's not he's not focused on in this movie a lot but he is such an important character to uh to Shoya in this film by the fact that 
I think the little, and this might be the fact that I've seen this movie so many times, but the yeah. little things that Tomohiro does uh, to help Shoya uh, that that Shoya doesn't realize are so so apparent to me and so wonderful. Like when uh, when other people are trying uh, later on in the movie, uh, and this is jumping ahead, uh, but later on in the movie, other people are trying to befriend uh, uh, Shoya. And you can see Shoya getting overwhelmed by the interaction because at this point in time, after all the years of bullying and and depression and uh, and just all the issues that that Shoya ends up going through, uh, he's he's developed this social awkwardness. Uh, that's not that's yeah. Not well, word. yeah, it's, um, it's it's almost kind of a, a social anxiety of like he he says he's like I can't look people in the eye, and, which they do wonderfully by putting these X's over people's faces. So anyone that Shoya cannot look in the eye of, there's an X over the face. And there's yeah. very, very few people at the beginning that the X is and it isn't on the face of when you see it from Shoya's view, I should say. Um, and they start to fall off. Uh, and Tomohiro is the first person in the movie with an X on his face that falls off from the connection. And and with this social anxiety, Tomo, you can see that Tomohiro recognizes the anxiety and tries to help him. Uh, but in, in his own way, by being possessive of him. Uh, yeah. Like, when other people try to befriend Shoya, he jumps in and and just it's just like, no, that's my friend. And, like, un- he makes the situation lighthearted, but he also, like, keeps the situation from becoming awkward for Shoya. And I really, really enjoy that. Yeah, but, uh, like, we, we did not get enough scenes between Tomohiro and a character we get introduced to in one of these upcoming scenes, Yazuru. Uh, we, we did not get enough scenes between the two of them because their dynamic was fantastic, um, and is very much the protectors of these friends that like, it's like they, they see the friendship forming, but it's like, no, that's my best friend. If you hurt them, I will come after you kind of things. Um, and they, they both have that dynamic with Shoko and Shoya, respectively. Very much so. And it, it's their dynamic in the scenes that they're in is so heavy that it, it very much made me feel if we continued this story, that those two were definitely gonna get together. Like ten years down the line, like those are the two that are that are dating and married. <laughs> like yeah. even if even if Shoya and Shoko are not, like it's that that hatred of like that that um competition aspect of it that made me be like be like oh man this is like the start of an anime like an anime series that if this this kept going like those are the two like like screw you man and then like you catch them making out in the background (laughs) yeah (laughs) i i very much enjoyed that it was it was a it was a wonderful dynamic between those two characters because of how heavy-handed both of them are in what they're trying to do uh, Yuzuru, uh, when when she's introduced, she's introduced as uh, Shoko's boyfriend. Uh, yeah. Well, she introduces herself as um, yes, yeah, because because we, yeah, we get we get Shoya kind of uh, so so yeah. Uh, so in in the meantime, uh, before we get to talking about um, Yuzuru, so kind of. Shoyo and and Shoko um kind of reconcile a little bit like he gives her the notebook back um because he runs into her at um this community center or wherever 
he was wow. taking sign language and then tries to figure sees her feeding the koi at this koi pond and so he goes and buys bread and then comes back and this is when we are first introduced to Yazura Ru. Yazura. Yeah. Introduces herself at first as Shoko's boyfriend. Just this tiny little, little, like, especially I love, I love the design difference too, because Shoyo kind of has this growth spurt and actually is this kind of tall, lanky, kind of gangly guy later on and then you get this super short tiny little yuzuru who is just completely domineering him too of like no you can't go see her like oh yeah user has got this personality of like i've got this i'm i'm in i'm doing this the user steps up and is like no i'm uh you can't she's not here yeah <laughs> uh, i see her no yeah, she's I... not here no but i can see her right there i'm her boyfriend you can't see her yeah. boom this door slammed like it's just this straightforward like, like i am protecting i am doing what i can uh which is wonderful because uh the next time that you see yuzuru she's trying to do the same exact thing but this is when tamahiro runs in and is just like how dare you stop my friend and starts wrestling with yuzuru yep and then yeah so that so then we get shoko and shoya finally having this conversation and this is when shoko finds out it's like oh Shoya learned how to how to sign and then yeah we get we get Tamahiro we get them spying on them with uh Yazaru's camera which must have quite the zoom on that um because they are very far away yeah they're quite far away that's good it's gonna be like 20 times zoom yeah (laughs) at least and but then, like, yeah, they they kind of kind of reconcile and start kind of hanging out a little bit more, and you know, Yazaru's very, still very protective, but like letting letting Shoya in a little bit. Well, then... doesn't do that until Shoya finds uh, uh, Yazaru asleep in a a playground. Um, while he's hanging out with his niece, uh, which I love his niece. His niece is wonderful. Uh, she's just, she's kind of a background uh, character. Like at the very beginning. Shao, uh, uh, Shao. Yeah. At the very beginning, you see his niece's uh, father, um, but you have no idea who he is. He's just some guy in another room lifting weights. And he's like, yo. And he slams the, the sheet shut real fast. Um, I didn't even then, I didn't like, even notice that you see him before because at first I was like, are we "Why having... is this guy popping up at the end?" <laughs> well, well, no, like not that, but like at first, like I I thought they were gonna do the the Japanese thing of like having a homosexual relationship, but never having it be on screen. So, you know, because because she says goodbye, mommy. And I thought at first um, it wasn't his sister. It was, like, his mom's girlfriend or something. Oh, got it. And I'm just like, interesting. But, yeah, that's because I didn't see the the guy working out earlier in the movie. See, I thought that um, the guy working out earlier in the movie, uh, when I – the first time I watched it, uh, I thought that that was his mom's boyfriend uh, and that that was – and that the the girl is his little sister is what I thought – the first time I watched it. And then there's a scene uh, when uh, he finds Yuzuru at the park where she's like, 
she's like, well, you're a little young to be a dad. And he's like, this is my niece. Uh, it's my sister's daughter. Uh, and that's when I figure out like, oh, that's, that's his, that's, that's his, uh, his, his sister has a kid. So the guy that you saw earlier is the sister's dad. Yeah. Is the sister's uh, husband, and then later on in the movie, like the the very very end, almost he pops up again. And he's just like, "What's going on?" And, and, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's just my daughter's husband. He's back from the war." <laughs> they're like, "We yeah. just have to come up with an excuse here." Yeah, he, yeah, he was he was <laughs> recently deployed and he's finally back. And it's like, oh, yep. that's where he's been. All just, right, but the funniest. Oh, sorry, this is cutting way way into the future. But the funniest part about this is that you see the sister at the beginning, sort of. She, you hear her voice at the beginning, and then you see her at the end, but you don't actually see her. She, her face is covered up by her daughter, so you never actually see the sister. I was gonna say, <laughs> I was like, I don't think we ever see the sister. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there's there's a fun moment at the at the very. I'm literally watching right now, but there's a fun moment at the very very end of the movie where he's looking around this like this whole big uh uh like get together. And he looks over, and his mom's standing there next to his sister and her sister's husband. And you can see the mom and the sister's husband, and then his niece is in front of his sister's face. So through the whole movie, you hear his sister's voice twice, I think, but you never see her face. And I think it's, I think it's just kind of funny. Anyway, that's neither here nor, neither here nor there. When he finds uh, Yuzuru in the in the park while he's hanging out with his niece, uh, that's when you find out uh, he's just like he keeps mentioning things about like like oh well you're her boyfriend. Uh, Shoko doing. I'm sorry for asking about Shoko. I can't believe I met her boyfriend. And that's when user's like, I'm not her boyfriend. I'm, and then he, she signs her sister. Yeah. Uh, and Toya has a moment where he, she, like, signs himself, like, what does this mean? Oh my god, you're a girl. Yeah. Uh, which is a, which is a fun moment. Like, he has to think about which, it. And it's, which, it's really, like, really neat. there's that, but then also in speaking of their relationship, the when Tomohiro finds out that she's a girl is even better reaction. He is he is so upset with himself that he he ever interacted with a female. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's mad because he he beat her up. You know, in some ways, yep. it's like, oh no, I fought a girl. I was like, yeah, you fought a girl, and you were definitely losing. Like, you definitely lost a fight with a girl is what was going on there. And not only a girl, but a girl that I think is about four or five years younger than you. Yeah. I mean, same height, um, but. Oh, yeah. Um, but but with this interaction, uh, this is when Shoya actually starts to befriend Yuzuru. Um, it, it's, it's that situation, and there's a situation later where Yuzuru runs away from home, and Shoya like, is like, Stay with me because he he brings Shoya uh, he brings Yuzuru back to her home and this is when he sees uh, Yuzuru and Shoko's mother again and she comes out and slaps him and is just upset that, that he's interacting with her daughters which is understandable with yeah. the way the reaction that he's had on their life then a little bit later away from home again and and she actually comes to Shoya's place um and she her excuse is that she wants to play with his knee but it's it's where Shoya like really builds this relationship with with Yuzuru and you can see that, that that it's forming and this this is where you really start to see the fact that Shoya uh, yeah what that first 20 to to 20, 30 minutes of the movie and him as a young person is like terrible and as as a young person they like try to like throw in these things of like yeah he was starting to get bullied too but you're like 
at that point you're like yeah whatever like and and then you get to the the adult the the teenage him and they're like oh he tried to kill himself and you're like well he kind of deserved it and at this point you're like oh he doesn't deserve it anymore and it's it's where i really 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 like this movie and the fact that it shows that people can change over time like they especially at a young age like judging somebody from like who they were as a as a elementary students uh in this case to who they are as an adult like things can change things can change wildly and it might be hard to accept those changes but like they're there at times and and it's not in every case but there are a lot of cases where they were like i don't like who i was as a a younger person i was a terrible young person Uh, i like to think that are uh better adults i think I, i think i got better uh through college and especially adulthood um, but like, it's, it's one of those stories that it, it, it's just, you can, you can see the pain that, that someone goes through and the fact that they not only accept that pain, but they accept the pain they put onto others is yeah. when you really start to see ex- acceptance. And that's, and that's the story that they're showing with Shoya and that you start to see, and you start to see it more by the fact that, that uh, Shoko's little sister, Yuzuru, star, uh, starts to see it and, and accepts Shoya herself. Yeah. yeah and, and I this, really, really like that. Yeah, and this is also when we start getting them um, kind of exchanging phone numbers and, you know, texting back and forth and stuff like that. And kind of the relationship growing and he he asks asks uh shoko of you know hey is there anyone you know from you know you you transferred schools and all of this like there's is there anyone from the from the old class that you you want me to kind of track down and her her first person that she asks and only person is is Mayoko and the the one girl who was really nice to her who also who also then left and she apparently went to this all girls school um it was more timing wise than anything else like it wasn't a bullying situation and but you know Shoya is able to track her down and you know this quiet unassuming you know little girl has now grown into this tall confident woman and is still very nice and like like all of this stuff and so she and she said like she was learning sign language but hadn't gotten you know very good at it and has been kind of rusty with it but is still trying to sign and and being nice and having these nice you know so so Shoko finally got like a female friend as well. This really kicks off a uh, a cascade of friends coming back into both uh, into both uh, Shoya and Shoko's life. Of it's um, it starts with Miyoko. Uh, it, it then rolls into Miki and uh, a new friend uh, Satoshi, who is who is kind of put as like as like Miki's like love interest. Uh, yeah. But like somebody that wasn't there when they were kids, uh, so like they then jump into it, and then and then it also gets into uh, Naoka uh, coming back. Yep. Uh, one they there's a, there's a scene earlier that's not super important, but show you like finds her and like 
goes and sees her and then like runs away and it's it's a weird little scene uh but because of that scene like later on when they when they all go to uh, a theme park together um naoka uh ends up tagging along because she is actually still friends with uh weirdly enough i think she goes to school with uh um, i think she's still friends with with with, uh, with miki satoshi yeah yeah, oh, not, think... no, no, not Satoshi. Um, with Mickey. Uh, Kazuki. Okay, yeah. No, not, no, Miki's the, uh, the, oh, no, it's Miyoko. It's Miyoko. It's the one that was friendly to Shoko. It was Miyoko. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. Because she yep. goes to school with Miyoko because they go to an all-girls school. Yeah. And because I remember that that's when, uh, uh, sorry, that's when Shoya's just like, so, so are you, are you friends with Miyoko? And she's just like, oh, yeah, she's been, she's, she's fine now, like. Like, it's not, like, a, a glowing endorsement, but, like, she's, like, she's fine now, and then just, like, she was asking about you, yeah. um, essentially, is how she ended up on that trip. But this kind of all cascades into, you can, uh, she tries to get Shoya to talk to his, like, his friend that you see at the beginning of the movie that was, like, totally okay with his picking on him, and then the second that he got in trouble for picking on, on, on Shoko, he started, like, really digging in and, like, picking on Shoya. Yeah. Like she tries to get them to confront each other, and then there's this just heartbreaking scene. Like this is the this is one of the, I think this is the second time I cry in the movie. <laughs> okay, is it the Ferris wheel? Yeah, it's Naoka and Shoko on the Ferris wheel, and you don't see it as it happens. You see like them going to the Ferris wheel, and there's like this. Yuzuru says like, "Hey, you know, um, take my camera with you and take some photos," uh, but secretly Yuzuru uh, sets the camera to record. Yes, and Yuzuru after the after they leave comes back and shows Shoya the video of like it, it's Naoko confronting Shoko and saying you ruined uh, you ruined Shoya's life if you know that and uh, you you're the cause of all this um, and I know you hate me the the heartbreaking moment is when is when Shoko says I don't hate you I hate myself and I'm just like oh my god this is this is heartbreaking. Like, what is this? Oh. Yeah, because because this is this is all the things that 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 <laughs> Shoko is clearly holding in. Like, she feels like she's a burden on on these people, even though she's not. You know, you know, it kind of like in her head, she's like, oh, I have to. And and there's this nice little scene. She's clearly going to the the audiologist um to to get her hearing aids checked and i i don't know if it's either the one ear is just so far gone that it's not even worth putting a hearing aid in anymore i'm pretty sure that's how they they explain it is that is that she that there's no saving the hearing in that side yep yeah, and that and that's like I'm. I was assuming so she's she's fully deaf is is the assumption in the one ear, but the 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 interesting thing there is then she actually because she doesn't have that hearing aid in anymore, she's more confident and actually is wearing her hair up again. Yes, but all, I, they they also kind of tie that into the fact that uh, uh, and it it's a it's a conversation that um. That happens between Miki and and Shoya because she wears her hair up and she confesses. She literally confesses to Shoya um, that she loves him, but he doesn't understand what she's saying 
Uh, and it doesn't translate well because uh, when I watched this originally in the Japanese version, uh, the 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 words for "I like you" and the moon actually sound similar. Okay. Uh, but in this version, she says "I love you" and 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 he goes "the moon," and you're like, "That how? Where'd you where'd you go there? <laughs> How'd that happen?" Uh, but uh, but after that, he like he sees that that Miki changed her hairstyle and like he like asks her about it. And she's she's talking about Satoshi a lot because she's into Satoshi. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things where it's like it's like hey, sometimes when when uh, people like dig each other, they 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 change something about themselves because they're excited and like more confident. Uh, and so they're they're hinting towards that. Uh, it's not yeah. just the the hearing. It's not the hearing thing that that builds that. It's yeah. it's that piece. But in in that in, but in the same same way, it's like she's she's feeling more confident about herself. Oh, for you know various reasons and then him not reciprocating that because he didn't understand it she then and it's it's heartbreaking in hindsight but at at the time it was also a funny scene when um yazaru like she comes back home and just falls on the bed crying and you just see her feet kicking um and she's like texting her sister of like what's going on and i'm just like at the moment i was thinking oh this is a cute little like sister scene like hopefully she'll get over it and then you realize like nope that was the beginning of the downfall um well yes but that's also that that scene also sets up another scene uh in the same vein because they show the scene of her and the sister texting each other and her being upset and then they show a scene of Yuzuru's telling Shoya uh, after Shoya asks about the haircut thing because he sees the the uh, the Miki cutting her hair. Yeah. Uh, telling Shoya's like, well, ask her out if you think that, that that's what that means. And so that's when Shoya says, hey, do you want to go to the amusement park? And then you see the same scene again, essentially, except this time uh, Shoko is kicking her feet excitedly uh, yeah. because she's being asked out. So it, it's, a, it's a fun little mirror, um, but it it mirrors into the sense that it then cuts into the scene I talked about earlier with the, with the Ferris wheel. And, and that is really the downfall that, that where everything starts to really fall apart because once, once Shoya hears Shoko say that she hates herself, Shoya and kicks the makes she not hate herself. It's heartbreaking to see because you can see how fake he is in, in those scenes. He's uh, both Shoko and Yuzuru see like him trying too hard and being like, this isn't working. He's just like, we're having such fun. Go watch this movie. This movie's so great. Oh man, we went and, we went and got this lunch. Wasn't this lunch great? Like it, it, it's, it's just so, you can, you can tell what that is. Just like if, if you'd watch those scenes without context, you can tell what those scenes are. Like yeah. you can tell that those scenes are one person trying to cheer up the other people's in the scenes and those people yeah. understanding like that's what they're trying to do and not go for it well and and also the interesting thing about that is you know those also mirror the scenes earlier with tomohiro trying to do the same thing with shoya of like yeah trying to cheer him up and be like hey i'm your friend like let's be buddies but this is a obviously more a little more romantic side with with Choya and Shoko. 
um, but still trying to accomplish the the end goal of like, hey, I want this person to feel better about themselves. Um, and this is also tied into a full breakdown that Shoya has. Because while these scenes are happening, Shoya, there, there's a scene on the bridge. So uh, uh, Satoshi, uh, who is the, the love interest of Miki, the, the girl, the blonde girl from, from childhood, uh, mentions something to Shoya being like, oh man, I heard that people were making fun of Shoko as a kid. And like, what kind of terrible person does that? Which leads to Shoya going to uh, Miki and saying, like, hey, please don't please don't say these kinds of things like i'm trying to change don't say these kinds of things and miki being the same girl that she is a kid as a kid takes that and not only blows up but blows up in front of an entire classroom blows yeah. up in front of uh satoshi and uh also tomohiro uh saying like like no you're you're the same person you're a terrible human you were making fun of 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 shoko you were making fun of her and like it's the return of of Shoya's like social anxiety. Like he starts, you see him start yeah. to become more normal, and like being like a, a person that's that's willing to like jump into society and like start to understand things again because he's starting to get get you know he's starting to have friendships. Yeah, yeah, like all of, all of the all of the exes start going back on people's faces, you know, oh, immediately. And he he escapes from that, and where he escapes to is the bridge where he met Shoko again, where he like befriended her again, and he sees her and starts talking to her. But then there's a huge. This is when like all the friendships like break up, like they all converge on him on that bridge where he's yeah. already uh, sensitive. Uh, so instead of handling it uh, like you know in a conversation of being like, hey, you know, this is a misunderstanding, like a conversation that that we all probably could see happening in that situation. He handles in a way that we could also all see happening in a, in a situation of a, of a broken, of a broken person who's just like, I'm going to defend myself right now, but I'm not going to look at any of you in the face. He buries himself in his yeah. legs and he like, he attacks everyone individually. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's except like, yeah. for Shoko. He attacks everyone except for Shoko. And the second everyone's gone, he looks at her and he starts signing to her. Like, let's hang out more. Oh, it's just, it's so, yeah. it's so good. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like he, he talks, yeah, uh, uh, Miki, um, you know, goes after her, goes after Mayoka about, it's like, oh, oh, you're, you're, you're scared of this confrontation? What, are you going to run away again? And it's like, oh, ugh. Um, you know, so, and then, yeah, he, yeah, kind of goes a little too far the opposite direction in a feeling seemingly fake way is how it feels with with shoko oh of like you know oh i got rid of all of these guys i still want to hang out with you <laughs> we're still okay right <laughs> um so oh, this is leading to the part i don't want to talk about i know uh. yeah let's let's just get to it so then so they rebuild seemingly a little bit Part of it is um, Shoko and and um, and Yazuru's um, grandmother dies, um, which they do a good job. We didn't mention her before, but they do a good job of building her relationship with Yuzuru's during yeah. the movie. Like, there's only a couple scenes where they're in there, but but you you can see that her and Yuzuru have a relationship with each other. 
Yeah. Um, when the fact that Yuzuru, like, cares for her grandchildren um, to an extent where, like, she is looking out for their best interests while their mother, who is attempting to look out for their best interests, just doesn't know what that is. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really well done as well. Yep. Yeah, and, and just the... Because... Yuzuru is is very much a tomboy like obviously like at the beginning of the movie you know claims to be Shoko's you know boyfriend and you think nothing of it because it's like yeah of course like you know in that point it's like yeah and it shows short hair like very much all boys clothing and then Shoya sees her in a dress and he's just like what's going on and she, of course, doesn't say anything because she's super defensive. Oh no, she lies and she's going to school. Yeah, she. But yeah, well, but it was like it's summer break. So like, yeah, no, I'm just getting ready yep. for it. But hey, you can you can you walk me, you know, this way? So feeling a little like being as vulnerable as she ever is in this movie, of like yeah, no, can can you walk with me though? Um, um, and then we find out she's walking to their grandmother's funeral and that's why she's dressed more you know conservatively was for the funeral itself and it's like oh wow and then yeah we we get the the rebuilding of a friendship we seem like and then there is this fireworks festival um yeah so so is invited to uh shoko and uh Yuzuru's mother's birthday which is kind of weird um he like helps them make the cake and then they're like they're like oh the fireworks festival's tomorrow you should come because our mother has apparently been okay with you now that she sees that you're still hanging out with us Um, yeah well yeah after after the after the funeral and and helping out with with the birthday and a few other things it was like all right fine i i will accept you being around kind of thing and they they go to the festival and you get you get a nice little scene between Shoya and Shoko where where they're just chatting about like when was your birthday oh man I missed your birthday I'm gonna get to it next year like it, it, it's it's like an oh an an actual sweet scene uh, because the Shoya was has been so fake for so many scenes before that that you can see how real he was being in that scene in that that scene specifically. Um, I'm gonna cry while talking about this scene. It's gonna be yeah, no, terrible. Yeah. Sorry. Um, uh, and then and then um, Shoko excuses herself, saying that she's got to she's got to study. Like she's she's you know graduation's coming up. Uh, uh, she's gonna go and do something. Leaves. Um, and Yuzuru and her mother comes back, and Yuzuru's like, "Oh my god, I forgot my camera. Uh, go get my camera." Uh, uh, which I mean, we mentioned the camera earlier. User has got this weird thing with the camera. She takes pictures of dead things a lot. Um, yeah. And she always has the camera with her. She doesn't bring it with her because my guess is that she didn't think she'd see a dead thing. Um, yeah. So, uh, Shoya goes back to Yuzuru uh, uh, and Shoko's house to get the camera. And he walks in and he's just like, he's, he's um, like, oh, I wonder where that is. And he looks out on the balcony and Shoko is standing on the ledge uh, and about to jump off and Shoya freaks out uh, and starts running toward... I am literally crying talking about yeah. this. I'm, I love this movie so much. Okay. <laughs> Shoya uh, freaks out and starts running towards her and he like, he still kicks off his shoes because you know Japan. Yep. <laughs> um, 
and he trips over a chair uh and th- there's just this wonderful scene of you you like see through the back w- the the back sliding door of her standing on the balcony and then the 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 breeze blows and there the the drape blows in front and then all of a sudden she's gone and yeah. the next scene is the fireworks go silent and you see them going off but it's silent and then the sound sort of comes up a little bit and and uh and he's reaching down and he's holding her by the arm Shoya's holding shoko by the arm uh like trying to pull her up and you can see he's straining and she's like looking up uh and it's just it's another wonderful moment of like she could see him like trying to save her and like so she finally actually reaches up and like goes to pull herself up uh because he's like trying to help her and you can see how much he's exerting to do it and by pulling herself up she pulls him down and he falls down. <laughs> yeah yeah so then yeah so so basically in giving her the will to kind of fight and the will to like kind of live of like no 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 you've got like this struggle and getting her up yeah finally a being up and her kind of crawling up and starting and it's this one last pull of just trying to get herself up to the balcony is what, you know, kind of teeter totters him over, and then he falls. And yeah, and he hits he hits the water, and like there's like a thing of like him being like, oh, I'm glad I, she's okay. Uh, and then he's like, I'm cold, and you see blood, and then it goes black, and you're in the hospital, and it's uh, use root drinking a juice box. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and, and then Yuzuru goes, and this is, this part makes me cry even more because, uh, Yuzuru goes running up to, uh, uh, Shoya's mom and, uh, Shoya's mom's just like, just like, I'm just glad that Shoko's okay, you know? Uh, and then Shoko and Yuzuru's mom comes up and use and Shoya's mom starts apologizing. And this is when, uh, uh, Shoko and Yuzuru's mom, like, gets on her knees and, like, bows. She's like, I'm so sorry my daughter did this. And uh, Yusuru gets down and just like, I couldn't, like, I'm so sorry. My sister's stupid. I couldn't help her. And they're just both, it's another moment where, like, I'm already crying. And then, like, it makes it worse by this reaction. Uh, And then it jumps into, then it jumps into Shoko being beat up um, by Naoka, being like, how you did this to him. Like, it's just, they just keep hitting me over and over and over again. But it's just, it's so real. It's such a real real reaction to how this would happen yeah well and Uh, then it's like like we we never i guess we never see shoko completely as like this super happy character by any means but it's like we we didn't realize that it was this bad you know and and in a lot of cases you you don't like you don't realize like you know people put up a front and like you don't you don't realize how how much they're actually hurting um on the inside like only only they do but those very close and this is also like the the explanation of of yuzuru's um of uh why she has the camera all the time is she knows how much her sister is struggling and she says like you know i thought if i showed her 
all of these pictures of of dead things it would make her want to feel more alive like it would she said it would make her want to not kill herself yeah it would make like her want to not kill herself and it's like I, just heart-wrenching like, yeah and it's like this is yeah literally like we said like this is probably an eight or nine year old maybe you know that that is already thinking about these things like maybe 10 um, well i mean i i think yuzuru in this movie is probably 14 or 15 um okay like i i think she's she's middle school age um is what they they put her at um, but with that said, the the first scene when when she says that the first scene of that they do like a little mini flashback of Shoko and Shoko is in sixth grade again and signing that she wants to kill herself like that's that's like yeah. like they they show that this has been a long time thing that like yeah. like Shoya was probably the initial catalyst of this thing and he's also the the savior of this thing in the end yeah uh sorry crying again yeah. <laughs> um uh and uh it's just it, it's such a god it's such a full moves movie the way they they do that but with that they they also show shoko afterwards saying that she's to fix things she wants to make things okay um so then the next piece of the movie is shoko like going to all these friends that Shoya had made with her around trying to mend the friendship back, bring things back to, to normal while, while, uh, while Shoya is, um, in a coma in the hospital. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, and then this all happens over summer break and then he finally wakes up. Um, the first thing he does is go to the bridge where they were always feeding the koi. Um, they have a really nice scene kind of reconciling. Um, this is the one place that I actually wrote a note. <laughs> okay. You have a note for once. That's yeah. From the actual movie. Cause I did not want to forget how much I loved this. Uh, so, uh, so Shoko has a dream of like Shoya being like, I'm unhappy. I want to kill myself. And like, it makes her wake her up and like running to the bridge and then she's crying on the bridge and at the same time this is when Shoya wakes up and he goes running to the bridge uh because honestly in his mind uh Shoya's probably dead like he was trying to but he doesn't know what yeah um so he runs to the bridge and you see him like so worried and he like gets to the bridge and she's not there and he goes she's not here and then all of a sudden her head like pokes out from the side where she's crying on her knees and the the cha- the animation this is amazing because like he goes from this this super super worried face to like just the happiest person in the world and he just goes oh. and it just it's such a wonderful little movement that like I'm I literally I had to write it down and that like the it's the happiness is in his face is like the the greatest animation I've I've seen in this whole movie that change. Um, and then, and then he, as they're on their knees, like talking, he says, um, "I was wondering if you could teach me how to live," uh, which is a nice line, but it makes it even better that right afterwards he goes, "That is the creepiest thing I've ever said," <laughs> and then starts yeah. freaking out about how he said that. Um, it's, a, it's such a nice. Uh, it's just so nice. It, 
after all the sadness that they like built up and did up to that point, like that uh, bridge scene, it's just so like brings you back to being okay again. That it, it uh, it's so wonderful. Yeah, and and then kind of we get the the finale of the movie of of him returning to school and you know with with Shoko's help and with all of the friends that he you know now has again he's actually able to kind of look everybody in the eye again and actually kind of feel like a person once again so so that's the movie that's the silent voice so this is your first watch of it um what is your thoughts on my recommendation I'm not going to lie. I was very angry at you when this movie started. <laughs> um, Cause so, so obviously, so Shane and I lived together for like five years, almost six years. Yeah. Yeah. Five or six years. Um, so, <laughs> and we watched a lot of movies in that time. And then I would also hear you talk about a lot of movies and especially a lot of animes and you were just like, no, I gotta, I gotta watch a sad anime because I need to cry to feel something. And I'm just <laughs> like, oh no, <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> and so I should have seen this coming, um, that you know this was gonna be the style of pick um, that you would have. Um, but I didn't think it was gonna be this extreme. But it was also so well done. Like that was that was the thing about it of just like this was a very good movie. Will I watch it as many times again as you have? Probably not, but I can respect it and actually recommend with the caveat, obviously, of other people to watch this. So, yeah, I actually I I thought this was a very well made and very well done and well told story and, and well done movie. Um, and even like the things that we talked about in Miyazaki and me, the, the technology wise, like I loved the fact that in those little flashbacks we'd get, it would be the, the closest equivalent I can, I can give would be, uh, it kind of felt like, um, super eight footage. You know, that old school camera uh, um, with the with the light leaks and everything like we'd get that once in a while with with kind of flashbacks and the playing with the the depth of field um, because we we have very subdued, but it's it's a odd combination of subdued colors, but also very vibrant at times. So like the the color choices were were immaculate like in the in this movie and and really set the tone really well. Yeah, I I think that one of the one of the reasons why I chose this as my first recommendation is uh, one I love this movie. Um, as I as I've said, I've watched it many times in the last few years. Uh, it it gets it brings emotion out of me that. Uh, I don't, I don't show a lot of emotion on a general basis. Uh, although the older I get, the more I do, uh, actually do that. um, Yeah, no, like uh, literally in the years that, you know, we live together, like I, I can actually see you actually 
partially because it's me, you know, as well of like, you know, wearing your heart on your sleeve a little bit more and not being as reserved as when we first, you know, lived together. Uh, but but another reason why I recommend this movie is that I think this ties us from the the Miyazaki and me animated world to the real world as well as any movie I could think of because it doesn't rely on normal anime tropes. Like nothing yes. about this movie says it. this could have been a real live action film and I don't think it would have been done as well, but I think it could be done as a as a live action film. I, I uh there's there's no anime tropes in this movie. There's no there's no supernatural elements. There's like there's nothing in this movie that ties it to animation. But with that said, as I said a second ago, I don't think that as a live action film, I don't think it would be as impactful. Yeah, as it is as an animated film. Um, I think that it would have just it would have just been another drama as an as a live action film. So, I think this is this this movie is a really good tie-in from my uh my animated life, my anime life to my live action life. So, I think moving forward now switching to my next film is going to be a live action movie. This is a a wonderful jump. Like this is a way to to cast off from that. With with how much I enjoy this film and how what what it gets out of me. I would say that this is a for sure top 10 all time for me now. Um, just in the fact that I've watched it so many times since I've seen it the first time. And it brings emotion out of me every time I watch it. Like, okay. It, it, it is, is impactful. Like the story of the movie and what it does is impactful every time. Um, down to the point where every time I watch it, the, beginning of the movie is rough to watch every time too it's so impactful like it's i know where it's headed and even then i'm just like i'm like man you sucked as a kid (laughs) yeah like it's i I just think by it doing that to me just tells me how well they adapted and made this story um because every piece of it is ingrained in, in real life and, and something you could see. You could see every moment of this movie you could see happening being a real moment. Nothing is nothing out of out of the realm of normal uh, from any any character's viewpoint. So I just I just think that this movie is is so beautifully done, uh, I suppose would be my final aspect of it. My final thought on this film. Yeah, it's just it's it's so it's it's just very well done. Like it's it's hard to to quantify that as as much, but it's like it's just it's such a well done film. Um and yeah, it very much made you feel a lot. <laughs> um yep. So uh, uh... So I guess the uh, the final thing for record recommendation, uh, you said um, that you would recommend this movie. Then I recommended it to you. You will recommend it to others, or you would recommend it. To yeah, others? I would. I would. Uh, I would. Okay. Un unlike, and it's kind of the the joy of this you know whole thing. I would have a conversation before recommending it to someone so that they knew a little more of what was going on. 
Um, (laughs) and realized, you know, how, how actually depressing this movie is. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely would, would very much recommend this movie to, to other people. Well, with that, uh, that is the end of my recommendation. Kyle, what is your next recommendation for two weeks from now? All right. So I kind of liked the fact that, uh, you, you gave me a bit of a choice, uh, last, last time. And I actually have two, uh, movies, uh, that I have up here and, would you rather go with um, something from the uh, 70s or something from, let me look when this actually came out, um, or something from 1938? Okay, this is tough. If the one from the 70s is The Godfather, I don't want to watch that. But if it's not The Godfather, it is... I'll go with the 70s. Okay, it is is not The Godfather. I'm not that mean. I would not make you watch a three and a half hour movie so early in the podcast. Oh, and actually, I was wrong. Anyway, this what could be 1938 though? Like that makes me okay. Um, let's go 70s. Let's go 70s. Let's okay. go something more more modern. Uh, just for you know, for the start of this, for our audience, like, yes. let's stick with a little bit more, mo- slightly more modern. A li- All right. So it's a, it's a little more modern, but also very, it's actually a movie I haven't watched in a while, but I remember liking it a lot. That would be um, interesting then for, for our watchback. Okay. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm just scrolling through our list. Um, have you ever seen the Steve McQueen movie Bullet? I've not seen Bullet. Um, so this movie is kind of most famous for uh, the uh, a car chase that happens in it, um, and because he he is a, a a San Francisco detective who is kind of on the verge of invest is investigating the mob, and the end of this uh, has kind of one of the best car chases in cinema history. That actually is ripped off multiple times, uh, late like in in the future. Um, That'd be interesting. Don't tell me where because we'll probably discuss that in the show. Yeah, um, but yeah, it it's uh, yeah, it is it is streaming on HBO Max. But but yeah, it's 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 a it's a really well done kind of crime action thriller more, um, and I think that would just be. After how serious uh, this movie was, um, let's, you know, just have a fun action flick for the next one. So, Well, cool. All right, guys. So if you want to watch along with us, uh, in two weeks, we'll be reviewing the movie Bullet, starring Steve McQueen. All right. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Be good to each other.